He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. Hey everyone, I was hoping to get this message put together sooner, but things like this unfortunately take time to set up. I just want to say that the acts of war against Ukraine break my heart, and I know as a prior service member myself that my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who's fighting the fight that they really shouldn't have to. That being said, we have been working behind the scenes with all of our podcasts and podcast partners to put a fund together in order to pay for any refugee housing and other needs that go alongside that, like food, water, and any clothing needs. Internally, many podcasts in the Hospitality FM network have voluntarily given up sponsorship money in order to donate to the cause and are working on a unified message in order to spread throughout all of our podcasts. So this is me calling out to all of our property manager friends, industry experts, and anyone knowing of those providing lodging for Ukrainian refugees seeking safety. You can contact me directly at will, with one L, W-I-L, at slicktalkmedia.com. We have an internal document that is being updated in real time. So if anyone could share this message within your network, we'd greatly appreciate it. I'm also placing in the show notes a link to our GoFundMe and landing page for Rentals to Rescue. That's rentals.torescue.com, where we're putting funds together in order to, again, provide finances for any of these lodging and relocation needs. So thank you so much for tuning into this quick message. I hope you guys are all well and safe, as I know we have tons of listeners in Ukraine and other countries in in Europe. So thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Look, there's no right or wrong in, in this industry. I've learned that really quickly. But what I love about it is it's willing to change. Mm-hmm. And if this, this last two years have taught us anything is hoteliers are eternal optimists. And I love that about them, right? So that optimism has never been tested in any worldly or thing in my lifetime that I've ever seen, right? I mean, 2008 financial crisis, 9-11, sure, shocks to the system, some of that terrorism that happened in Europe for a while. Great, slow down hospitality, but like COVID was universal. All hoteliers were impacted in some shape or form. And the reality is we sort of leaned up a little bit, but I think we got stronger. And I think systems like CloudBeds really was a driving factor to try to help them be future-proofing. And, and that's something where, we're about to release a lot of concepts around future proofing your property. What did we learn? The revenge of the traveler that's coming because there's this pent up demand. And how can you sort of use some of those trends to your advantage? You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. Running a short-term rental business is challenging and time-consuming. 
Whether it's 10 units or 1,000 units, trying to keep up with the latest trends, technology, hardware, revenue management, guest support, and R&D, it's become almost impossible and increasingly more expensive for the everyday host. On top of that, all of this tedious work does not allow you to focus on what matters most, and that is your guest. Luckily, this will no longer be a problem. Introducing Journey's MOS, the newest and most advanced tech solution in hospitality. Journey's MOS provides you with a one-stop solution that will automate your entire operation and take care of all of your back office work, allowing you to fully focus on growing your business the way you want to. To learn more about MOS, visit Journey online at journey.com. That's journey, J-U-R-N-Y.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. And of course, uh, today is an amazing day because we have an amazing guest. And so I'm uh, very excited to introduce Adam Harris, who is the CEO and co-founder of Cloudbeds. Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. And it's a pleasure to meet you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to the chat. Of course. Well, uh, Cloudbeds is no small name in the industry so uh, it's very exciting to find out your founder story and hear from the beginning of what kind of really created Cloudbeds and what you guys were driven to do. So if you want to uh, just kind of start off, where, where did this whole journey begin? Were you in the industry before? Kind of tell us where, where this, uh, the, the origin was. Mm, absolutely. With pleasure. Uh, I'll try to make it short because it's a complicated little journey. But uh, nevertheless, you know, my co-founder Richard and I, we're sort of on the excerpts of the of the industry for a while. We were doing consultancy work on the technology side, working with a few hospitality brands, everything from restaurants all the way to the hotel side. And, you know, about nine short years ago, we, we realized that there was this opportunity to help bridge consumers with the sort of smaller segment or these smaller roadside posadas in Brazil, which would be like a boutique hotel or these sort of boutiques that are up and coming in the United States, which are these like motel slash boutiques, really the properties that were off the beaten path a little bit, trying to make them found. And Rich and I were doing a lot of work in Southern or sort of Latin America and two catalyst events were taking place in Brazil, mm-hmm. the Rio game or the Rio games. And then the, the, the FIFA world cup. Mm-hmm. And what was happening in Brazil is you had this incredible population of small independent hoteliers that weren't aware of um, how to connect to guests like you and I, and yeah. my co-founder Rich was actually down in Brazil. And he's like, Adam, you don't understand. I was literally calling hoteliers, asking if they have availability. No one answered the phone. I couldn't find them online. I couldn't search for them on booking.com because booking.com didn't exist exist on there. And then when I finally did get someone on the phone, they asked me to deposit money in a bank account, a local Brazilian bank account to confirm the reservation. He's like, we got to do something about this. And so what we started off, the original sort of, concept was open table for travel right that really simple widget that you could put on a website to book a a reservation at a restaurant 
why couldn't we make that booking component easy in, in, in almost a couple steps on the hotel side? This is us coming from the outside in, not really understanding that booking engines existed and were available and, you know, other suites of technology needed to connect to the central reservation system and then ultimately down to the PMS. And so we started with this sort of meta search engine, this concept of like, let's just aggregate a bunch of properties. Let's make it really easy for consumers to book. And so we had where to stay in Portuguese um, in .com. It was a great place to sort of build the initial brand. But then when we started surveying all these local customers, you're like, I don't have a system. I use Excel or pen and paper. And wow. we said, why don't we start there? And so we pivoted really quickly. We created a SaaS product and we started with a, a sort of a lightweight PMS mm -hmm. and that grew to a channel manager and then it grew into CRS capability and then booking engines and, you know, fast forward to where we are today. Yeah. It's really this world-class PMS or world-class platform that's unified about 10 out of 14 systems that are commonly used today in a hotelier. Um, and now we're in 172 countries around the world, powering a million and a half beds. I mean, it's no small feat, uh, but a crazy sort of acceleration took place in, in those years. But it really was just us um, as travelers trying to connect to a property owner that we thought was intriguing and a place that we would want to stay and trying to help them out. Well, I'm glad you didn't have to grow it and scale it by buying the destination where to stay at dot com. Uh, that would have been one bigger challenge than than uh, creating what you guys have created with Cloudbed. So yeah, wow, that's very interesting. And so, you know, when it came to developing this, like especially on the outside in, like you said, what was the biggest hurdle you guys had to over you know overcome in the sense of you know getting the the hoteliers that were using Excel or pen and paper to really adapt? You know. It it was probably us learning some lessons, right? You, you have a very, very fragmented technology landscape, even today, you know, with, with the upstarts that are trying to take on some of the incumbent PMS systems and the incumbent CRS systems and channel managers and so on. You, you really had a, a what, what we sort of believed was a broken technology stack right? Yep. Too many different interconnected systems that uh, easily could, could break. I'll, I'll give you a funny story because I know your, your history of being at a front desk and working yes. for a major chain. So I was in San Francisco uh, doing the rounds with some earlier, early investors of ours. And I was on the Embarcadero and I had to make my way to Union Square. And so if you've ever been to San Francisco, that's about a 15 minute walk. And this was at the time where we had access to hotel travel rates because of the GDS and, and whatnot. And, and so I booked a reservation on my phone and then walked the 15 minutes to the major brand and went to check in. And when I got to the front desk, the, the, the wonderful uh, staff was like, well, you, the thing is the reservations in the cloud and the cloud hasn't downloaded to our desktops yet. And I'll take, you know, that happens every like two hours. And, and here, here we are, one of the biggest chains in the world with, with what wasn't real time, what was reliance on another technology stack somewhere else in the world with a completely different sort of technology roadmap and footprint of what, the, what their employees were ultimately working on. And, and I just kind of chuckled. Fast forward to today. Yeah. If, if you looked at CloudBeds, you know, inherently just on what we deliver to our, our customer is speed, right? We are 
here to automate as million steps. There shouldn't be a downloading of data downwards, right? It should always be in sync. And what was easy to overcome was providing a very, very easy to use piece of platform that ultimately seemed like your phone, right? You, You didn't have to spend hours and hours and hours learning the user experience. You could get up and speed up to up and running and be an expert in a few hours. So number one, it had to be really incredibly easy. Two, we needed to take a lot of the steps that were commonly being done in many different places and centralize them into one. So that was the hardest part. That was where we learned the most lessons is like, how do you take 10 systems that are commonly used with different tabs on your, on your, on your desktop or even different tabs in your browser and consolidate them into a single step action? And so our user experience team were banging their heads against the wall a little bit here. But you're like, it's not possible. This takes seven steps in micros. How on earth do you want us to take it from seven to one? But over time, as we did more capability, we were able to sort of automate a lot of the task. And, and ultimately, what, what the whole vision behind CloudBeds was two statements, more reservations and happier guests. We knew that if we could help the staff eliminate the number of times they were pounding hands on keys, staring down instead of staring at the guest, yeah. that we might be able to create a little bit more memorable moment. And if that guest felt a little bit memorable or, or, or had this, this like sort of craftsmanship around their experience, that personalization that they were looking for, it might lead to a better review. And there's an intrinsic connection between number of reviews score of reviews, and the number of reservations you get. Cornell proved this back in the 90s and then a follow-up study in the, in, in the, in the uh, sort of middle 2000s. And, and ultimately what it showed is for every, every point, so going from 4 to 4.1, was 1% improvement in your top line, oh, right? Wow. So all of that guest experience, the more we could do and drive staff towards enable, enabling better experience would ultimately – lead to more reservations. And as placement and all these other things improve, the the property would just have this infinite improvement. And that was something that we built our model on. And so number one, the lessons learned was how do we just shift shift the employee away from systems? Like let's get them interacting with you and I. You know, my favorite story of Vegas um, was I've gone to Vegas, you know, almost six years in a row because of the Expedia annual conference, right? Every single year, Rich and I, or whoever I'm with, stays at the exact same hotel. It happens to be the Vidar. Um, that's an MGM property. Every single year, we check into the pretty much the same type of room. Yeah. And every time I wait in a queue, the queue is about 25 to 35 minutes long. Mm. No reason why it needs to be like that. We can get in that later. But when I finally get up to the front desk after waiting in an exorbitant amount of time to check into a hotel room, they ask me if this is my first time ever staying at the property. Right. And I'm like, awesome. Good start. Like six years running. It's the same question being asked. It's like, how do you not have a database on who I am as a guest? How do you not anticipate some of my needs so that you can create those wowing first impressions? And I think that's a fundamental issue that's going on in travel. And I think we are making steps towards improving it, but systems break that down, right? Simplicity is what hospitality should be about. Checking someone in is not a complicated task. It should be simple, right? right? But it also takes what we call the sort of tremendous care and discipline to do it right. And, and when you do it right and it's repetitive, think of how many times 
when you were at the front desk, you check someone into your, your property, you follow check-in experience, like a workflow, a checklist, probably yeah, for that matter. Right. Yeah. It, it becomes an SOP. And, and as a result of that craftsmanship of that sort of SOP, you create an experience, but technology is the sort of prohibitive factor today in, in our industry. And we've basically had to break all of that down. Now, for the hotelier who wanted change, it was easy. We showed them what our system was capable, and they were like, let's go. For those who were reluctant, they were reluctant because they were unsure of what their gain was. And so we weren't necessarily able to connect the original value proposition of now what we know. So you know, today, we had a, a, a management call. We were talking about some of the user behavior in our system. Every single day, about 9,000 days, 9,000 days worth of workers are logging into our application. 9,000 days worth of workers are logging into our application. We save six years of time every day for our customers. Yeah. And that's just four hours here, four hours there of automation steps. So what, what's become beautiful, it wasn't beautiful at the start. It was really the humble beginnings of let's do a little bit, let's do a little bit more. And over time, our customers were really the darlings of our innovation because they're like, you need to do this, you need to do that. And we'd put a voting system and whatever had the most votes, we would ultimately build. And so over time, we were very, very much following what our feedback loops were saying. But then we were also trying to see this very long-term platform or what we call the unification of all of these various systems. And that took a really nice balance, but it was actually an easier start than we thought it was going to be. You know, our first milestone was like, let's get a hundred customers on it. We got a first hundred customers in a couple months. And then it was like, how do we go to a thousand? And we sort of ballooned into a thousand relatively quickly. And then it was a thousand to 10,000 and so on. But so much technology came along in each one of those various phases. And, and I got to be honest, the reason we're successful is, is, is not only this amazing collection of customers that we have all the world. It's I've got 650 people who wake up every single day who are motivated and impassioned by travel. They love the stuff. And when you put them all paddling in the right direction together with the same mission, that's a lot of momentum that gets built. And so we, we came up with this concept early on. And I think this was also part of the reason why our technology evolved so quickly is if we put our employees first and we took care of them, we made them happy, we showed them that we cared, we were had servient leadership, we built a strong culture of community, uh, they're going to feel happy coming to work every day. And when they're happy, they're going to take care of our customer because that's their mission. That's one of their tasks. They got to build great product. They need to be great supports, you know, support resources. And then ultimately, if our customer is happy, then our business was going to be just fine, too. But, you know, the, the original story, I, I still always wonder if we ever get back to being a consumer brand at someone going directly to the consumer to help um, bring reservations to our customers, which we do in the form of channel management. Yeah. A little bit more um, direct, but it's been so much fun seeing how the organization has evolved, seeing how much the technology evolved. And it all came from that original concept of let's just drive more reservations and let's see if we can help take care of the guests a little bit better. I love that. And, you know, I, I think uh, SNL kind of pictured this perfectly for the outside of the industry folk that, you know, like that Marriott skit where the a guy gets stranded on a, an island, he gets rescued, and then they, they check him into a hotel, and it takes them 
like pretty much that 25 minute wait that you would have had at the Las Vegas hotel yeah. uh, to, to check in. And the front desk agents really just pounding on keys and just not looking up. And then when they look up, they're totally, you know, uh, missing the point in the picture of the guests and what they're needing and the anticipation of needs. And I love that you said that because from an outside perspective coming in and now building out, you know, get more reservations, just start that happier guests. And now, for fully forming a, a unified you know uh product of systems or system of products whatever you want to call them uh it, it's really cool to, to kind of hear and i think it's really even more like you also said your team right they're happy that but i think if we all see that marriott front desk person or whoever's checking you in like this uh if we see that as a as a traveler ourselves the fact that you guys are going to be able to solve that problem because it, it's going to fix our issues uh, as a as a traveler uh, along the way is really cool and so for for you guys where where do you see the biggest like i don't know when it comes to the creation of the product where's the biggest push been with your your customers and of course a traveler obviously is realizing something different but was there was it really building building that booking engine what, what was your guys's first initial growth so the first initial growth was definitely channel management. So back then it wasn't a commodity. I mean, there's many forms of channel management. You obviously have site minders and rate gains and travel clicks of the world, but then you also have, you know, vacation rental platforms that connect to Airbnb or a PMS that connects to Expedia or booking.com. I would, I would call that channel management, right? They are managing channels. So we bought my allocator. Um, I want to say in like 2013 or 2014, and, and the reason we bought it was, A, we really liked the team that was behind it. We also liked the segment of customers that they were profiled. So a lot of sort of smaller independents, a little bit of the youth accommodation, so like hostels or, or student housing. And, and our system was really well tailored for that. So we bought My Allocator, and instantly we were in 60 countries, right? My Allocator had this really sort of good cult following. It also grounded us. It brought us closer to a customer base that really believed in my allocator. Now, my allocator was seventeen dollars a month. Oh, wow. It was probably pay, it was probably driving seventeen hundred dollars worth of value mm-hmm. for every one of these customers, but it was still seventeen dollars a month. And and really, what we recognized was if you can build this sort of hub, right? The hub, the PMS, the core. Yeah. That's where the guest lives, and and also rate and availability lives. And then connect that out to all the various channels. You know, back then, more channels was better. Mm-hmm. And now less channels is, is a requirement or byproduct of consolidation that's happened, right? Expedia has bought a bunch of brands. Booking.com has bought a bunch of brands. C-Trips bought a bunch of brands and so on. India and et cetera. A lot of consolidation has happened. So you don't need to have 20 channels anymore. You can have seven. And one of them is going to be your, your website, right? So over time the commoditization of some of this tech has forced us to sort of come back around to what is the most important thing that we saw. So one is simplifying the lives of the front desk staff is critical. One, the usability, the trainability, um, and also just being a support network for them, building a community. So that was number one, because turnover in hospitality is like 50%. So every year, half your staff is, is out the door. Well, that makes it really incredible, incredibly hard. I mean, could you imagine Marriott with 350,000 staff members trying to train 
half a new population every year on a brand new system. I mean, like it would be billions of dollars of, of, of work, which is why they have stuck with the systems that they continue to stick with because they have so many SOPs and so many sort of learning, you know, behavior and, and processes behind the scenes. Um, so, so that was number one is one, we, we needed to take care of the staff. We put them as a pillar. That was really, really important. Whatever we could do to shift the staff away from keys, yeah. away from screens, yeah. the better. The second pillar was the guest. We wanted to make it so damn easy for you to find a property, book a property, pre-arrive at a property, experience the property, and then give feedback and then leave and then potentially come back around, right? The sort of five or six steps, depending on who you ask, of the guest journey. And so a lot of our time and attention now is into that guest journey, right? Which I don't believe is perfect yet. The ideal scenario for me is I get on a plane, I fly Delta. Delta knows that I'm either on time or I'm not. Did I have a bag or did I not? Uber or Lyft, depending on what city it is, is there waiting for me after I've got off the plane. They know I have to grab a bag. And so they show up at the curb right when I'm walking to the curb. The hotel knows that I've got a bunch of bags. I had four delays. I'm tired. It was an overnight flight, whatever. And whatever my sort of cocktail or sort of thing to get me to reset is waiting, waiting at the front desk or in my room. I don't want to be in a queue. I don't want to wait. I don't even know if I want to even experience a front desk, to be honest with you, right? Some of the, some of the beauties of Airbnb and the evolution of what Vacation Rental has done. Now, granted, commercial locks that hotels are required versus what a residential lock uh, has, in, has in terms of security are very different. But let's, let's put that to the side. I just want to be able to show up to where I'm going to basically throw my bags, crash. And if I'm going out and doing something new, I want the property to anticipate my needs. Mm-hmm. So the guest journey and everything about the guest is really just data, right? And so anything we can do to enrich that data, to put algorithms around and, and ultimately design a stay around an individual, mm-hmm. I think is a, a step in the right direction. Now, granted, there's all sorts of great futuristic concepts of what hotels could ultimately become, the hybridness between a hotel and a vacation rental. Um, but we're, we're all heading in the right step, steps, and it's not going to just be overnight. Look, look, I thought the pandemic was going to accelerate the sort of digital check-in. We got plexiglass instead. Yeah, right? yeah. So like, yeah. we, can't, we can't make leaps and bound jumps and, and, and do it all at once. But you know what it did teach us is there is a propensity for the consumer to drive some trends. And the trend is the largest population of travelers in the future. Well, they were born after 79. Yeah. Their buying behaviors are very different than, you know, my parents buying behaviors and even how they use systems. It took me like five years to convince my dad it was okay to use Uber. Yeah. And, and like, and now he does, and he's like a pro, but at the end of the day, <laughs> there was a little bit slower sort of adoption. Keep in mind, the person who's graduating from high school right now, they've had an iPhone their entire life. Mm-hmm. That's astonishing to me. I remember my first iPhone. I was like blown away at how amazing this device was in comparison to my little Motorola Razor, right? But like even that transition for me was such a big, big journey. And so what I, what I look at is you have airline that's perfected 
the experience, right? You can check in on your phone. You can go through all the sort of COVID requirements that are now there. You can even, you know, check onto the plane with the with the you know, QR code that's on your phone. You can even go through TSA and all that stuff. That's a really beautiful experience. Yes. Um, and it's relatively quickly, but there's also some constants there, right? You know, you're going to have to check in, you know, you have to go through security and you know how you have to board the plane and your room is your room, right? Or your, 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 your seat is your seat. 100%. Well, hotels have a little bit more flexibility. It's a little bit more like Tetris and you're trying to do it, but algorithms can solve most of that. So understanding again, going back to the data level, whatever that guest needs, I think we need to get to a place where I know that you or I, or the system knows that you or I wants a burger before we want the burger, Yeah, right? That, that's a cool, cool little touch point that we ultimately can do. And so the third area is really the business or the data set in, in, in entirety, right? So you have that pillar one being staff, anything we can do to improve them. Pillar two, let's make that guest feel special. And then three, all of that feeds back up into the business. The business needs to have actionable data. It needs to understand what their business is representing. Are they catering towards Europeans? Are they catering towards you know Americans? Are they catering towards business travel or leisure? Most PMSs couldn't answer that for you right now. Yeah, that's a scary premise in the year 2022. So just bringing data forefront and ultimately making that actionable really changes just the dynamic of what you are, or how you represent. Maybe you don't need a front desk because the guest doesn't want one. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that's a lot of square footage in, in your property that you could do to monetize and, and do it for something else. Maybe you have to have a front desk. Maybe you, you, you need special access codes to elevators because you're part of a shared build, building. Again, your environment, who your guests are, all of that can translate into a different experience and ultimately wrap up. We are not um, a business that is trying to push you into a square peg yeah. or a round hole. We are a platform that you consume. So if you want to connect to third parties, we have more integrations than any other platform in the world. Mm-hmm. You want to do more channels? Great. You can do that too. You want to build your own APIs? You can do that as well. Mm-hmm. We really just see this as the foundation for the hotel to wrap their ethos around our technology and let our technology just be an enabler. And that's what I think we, we learned really early on in our story because we were talking to our customers so frequently, they were giving us these little tidbits. The other thing that we got really right was we hired from industry, but then we also hired from outside of industry. You know, Rich has this concept of you don't want to re if you're going to reinvent the spark plug, don't just go hire nine spark plug engineers. You get one spark plug engineer because you need to understand function, but form might change function might change slightly too so you get a bunch of engineers from a bunch of walks of life but you got to have that one person who at least understands it and so we have hotel owners we have front desk staff we have you know sales team leads and we have a little bit of everything and that's really brought um this sort of injection of not only amazing depth and hospitality but also a little bit of walks of life from other industries so that we can pull from some of the best practices Mm -hmm. look there's no right or wrong in, in this industry, I've learned that really quickly. But what I love about it is it's willing to change. Mm-hmm. And if this this last two years have taught us anything is hoteliers are eternal optimists. And I love that about them, right? So that optimism has never been tested in any 
worldly or thing in my lifetime that I've ever seen, right? I mean, 2008 financial crisis, 9-11, sure, shocks to the system, some of that terrorism that happened in Europe for a while. Great, slowed down hospitality, but like COVID was universal. All hoteliers were impacted in some shape or form. And the reality is we sort of leaned up a little bit, but I think we got stronger. And I think systems like CloudBeds really was a driving factor to try to help them be future-proofing. And, and that's something where we're about to release a lot of concepts around future-proofing your property. What did we learn? The revenge of the traveler that's coming because there's this pent-up demand and how can you sort of use some of those trends to your advantage? For sure. And man, I just got to say, there's a lot to unpack in everything you just said. Like, like my page of notes is, is incredibly long now. Uh, but just, just because I like to do it and add some fun to the podcast, uh, you know, I got to give you a round of applause for that, that journey of that, that guest journey that you described. So very much, very much <laughs> uh, a great visionary. And so like, I, I have a couple of things I really do want to kind of like pick your brain on really quickly. Sure. So talking about, you know, you talked about Airbnb a little bit, you, you kind of mentioned them um, for you guys, uh, you know, creating, you know, more connectivity, more, more connection, more distribution, choosing whether, you know, your clients can go into Airbnb, Verbo, is that a, an area that you guys really see? Do you see the STR distribution, you know, um, channels becoming more adapted in the hotel space? A hundred percent. I mean, Airbnbs, we're a preferred partner. You know, one of my colleagues is on their advisory board. We spend a lot of time in, in, in the SDR, even though that's not where our systems are pre pre predominantly sort of yeah. focused on. I think, you know, oftentimes we get pigeonholed by the industry that we're just these small hotels. Yeah. We have thousand room hotels using our system, resorts, multiple properties, uh, multifamily type you know, installments. But at the end of the day, I think what's exciting about what what's happening in vacation rentals is because you had a non-professional hotelier or yeah. a host taking care of a consumer, they're like, I don't want to be hands-on. Yeah. I want to try to automate this as much as possible. I want them to check in on their own, depending on you know jurisdictional rules. Yeah. I want them to text me. I don't want them calling me. I don't want them knocking on my door. And I also want them to be able to leverage a platform for recommendations, almost a self-service, right? And I, and I kind of like that about Airbnbs, um, which is amazing that it's a noun now and, and an adverb to some, or, and an adjective to some extent. So like what, what, what I love about that is, you know, I just was in Big Bear. My, my wife and my child and I went up there for a weekend. We went to check in to an Airbnb, sent us all the instructions. We get there. It was not a two bedroom. It was a one bedroom. We needed oh, no. two bedrooms because we had a toddler and the toddler has a sleeping schedule. So that didn't work for us. So we called the owner and he's like, well, that's my only property. I'm sorry, but I'll go ahead and refund you. So a little bit of a hiccup to start, to start the story. I went on to one of our clients who has like, a hundred Airbnbs in, in that area. And I just, I pinged them and they're like, yes, this is the unit. Sent me the text message, had a URL, went directly to the property. It was four bedrooms. And she's like, look, I'll just give it to you for the same price that you were already on thing. Boom, into that. They had a centralized location. So I actually had to go to a concierge desk. Mm -hmm. They owned a building in the middle of town. They had a little convenience store in the, in the building. They had supplies and things like that. They gave me the sort of, to do like where you can walk, where you can't hike, like what yeah. to look for. And 
it was it was very immersive. And I was like, okay. It was a little inconvenient that I couldn't just go directly to the property. Yeah. But I also kind of appreciated the hotel-esque. I felt like I was properly being managed. Mm-hmm. And so those are polar opposites of the two, right? One's leaning a little bit more traditionally towards a hotel-style accommodation. The other one's a little bit more sort of mom-and-pop. 85% of rooms in available listings on Airbnb are still host, a single host driven, right? So, but we're seeing this rapid professionalization. Sonder just went public through a SPAC, Bacasa, you know, as well. You're starting to see Selena come out in the, in the near, near future. So you're starting to see these things that are professionalizing, evolve, has, has grown, you know, quite, quite. A, I like that. Um, it's still not even scratching the surface. Not even one of them, you know, has more than 1% of that entire inventory. So together, it gives optionality to the guests and different guests are going to want different things in different places. And that's great. That's what we need. It also will force hoteliers, um, the big hoteliers specifically, to get away from the box. Mm-hmm. It's always the same box. It doesn't change. Maybe it has a little bit of different shade of lipstick, but at the end of the day, it's the same experience. Like I loved my first experience staying at St. Regis. It's on my honeymoon, albeit I got stomach, uh, I got the stomach bug on the trip, kind of ruined it, but I had the text messaging capability and I could just text them, hey, I'd love Pedialyte, which was one of the the beverages of choice during that trip, Uh, or I need crackers or I need soup or whatever. But the, the ease of communication with the property, normally I would have had to walk down somewhere, ordered something or picked up the phone, which I really don't like touching in a hotel for obvious reason. Yeah. But, and, and it would have been a little bit more of a two, uh, ordeal. Now, if you fast forward that to an environment where I might've been on the beach with my wife, enjoying my honeymoon, I probably would have ordered more beers or tacos yeah. or things that I actually wanted to consume. And so the, the advent of guest experience and this texting or just sort of two-way conversations I actually saw as an upsell, like a great tool to drive more revenue for the property. I never saw it as a, a mechanism to increase guest satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I think it simplified guest satisfaction. It meant that a single team could be on a device that they can carry around. You can't really carry a laptop around very easily. Yeah. It was easier to communicate back and forth. It was something that wowed the guests to some degree. And then ultimately it became transactional right that's exciting we we are in an industry that for the last two decades even though rev par is like just a freaking rocket ship go par or your gross operating you know profit per available room is actually on the decline which means it's more expensive to actually run a business than ever in the hotel years so despite having great top of funnel growth the the inputs to run are bogging down the profits. And so what we realized was, man, we got to get in the automation game. We got to eliminate these steps. If we could give back one staff member's worth of time every single year, what would the property do with it? And so I think COVID taught us that we can be leaner as an industry. Mm-hmm. A 200 room property can run on five people, not 15, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, with the right systems in place. But yeah. that might mean we have to put investments like, new types of door locks so that you can eliminate the front desk or a different approach to concierge or maybe less turnaround 
uh, on certain things like, do you need your sheets changed every single day? I don't know. Do you change your sheets every single day at your home? No, most likely not. I don't think most Americans or even most people in the world change their sheets every single day. So like, why did we get accustomed to changing sheets every single day in a hotel? So a lot of the things we did on a legacy basis, I think can be tightened up a little bit. And that will just mean saving costs. That doesn't mean we have to remove experience. We shift experience. The guests are dictating. So if we just listen, I think technology can be the driver of streamlining or even simplifying some of the needs of of ultimately what hoteliers uh, should be producing. I don't know if we know the right answer or the wrong answer, but the one thing I did learn from the pandemic was if you listen, you're going to get a lot of insight very quickly. And, and as a result, you know, we were, we have a guest experience team. They're monitoring, you know, TripAdvisor and and, and, in Google reviews, just trying to understand what properties on a collective basis were saying. And that information we was really feeding back into how do we build more tech? How do we build more systems and getting that same feedback directly from the properties as well and sort of blending what the consumer wanted as well as what the hoteliers thought they wanted uh, was very fascinating. That's again, so much to unpack in just a short amount of time, but it's like you, you talked about this, you know, so you guys as cloud beds, you, you've consolidated, you know, the, the, the biggest issue I think I ran into as a front desk agent, as a front desk manager, as a hotel manager in general, and even as a vacation rental manager, is that the amount of tech that you have to log into on a daily basis with the multiple amount of tabs, right? Like, it's insane. It's a, it's a lot of a lot of work. But now cloud beds, so you guys come in, and you're really building out this suite of products, right? That it's all unified. They connect. They they talk to each other. It's it's very well synced. It's consolidated. Um, yep. You're talking about this experience, right? Like Delta knows that you have two bags. It knows that you're delayed. It knows all this information. It then plans the Uber to arrive once you've collected your bag. They pull up. They immediately know what hotel you're supposed to go to based off of your itinerary. Yep. This is like. So you're talking about consolidation in the sense of, of what you guys have built, but what is it like, what are your thoughts on, because now that adds another layer of tech, right? I like to get Delta to talk to Uber, to get Uber to talk to Marriott, Hilton, Hyatt, whatever. Like, how does, what does that look like in the future? Do you think cloud beds is going to be something that does something like that? Or is there going to be another third party industry uh, provider that comes in and, and really has to build the, that bridge? I hope it's not another acronym. If it's three <laughs> letters, I might kill myself, to be honest with you. Yeah. We got enough we got enough of them. No, I mean jokes aside, look, I think it just tech tech leaders in this industry need to say, okay, am I holding us back or driving us forward? Hmm. I truly believe Cloudbeds drives this industry forward every single day for our customers, hands down. I can't say the same thing for every tech platform out sure. there on the planet. And that's part of the reason why we're growing very quickly and others are, are slowly fading away. We are building programs designed to further the industry. So Cloudbits Horizon just came out. It's our education program. We teamed up with EHL. It's the number one hospitality school in the world. Our tech is now being trained to their students. So we're trying to start long. We're trying to think long term. If we start with the students who are graduating, they're eventually going to become the GMs, the managers, the owners of the next evolution of hotelier. From there, at least we know that long-term, some of these concepts that we're all striving toward, it's not going to happen overnight, but it can happen if we all as an industry come together around a table and say, what do we want to change? What do we 
as travelers, we're in this industry for a reason. I'm a traveler. I've been to 57 countries. I want that Delta to Uber to Cloudbed's property experience, right? Yeah, 100%. Look at Brian Chesky. He just announced that he's going to go live in, in Airbnbs throughout the entire course of the year. That brings him to his host. That gets him very connected to his consumer um, on the B2B side. So we too are trying to drive what ultimately becomes the, the, the next stage. Now, as businesses do more. So if I go to Expedia and I book my flight, I book my housing and I book my transportation altogether. Well, mm-hmm. that itinerary has a little bit of the linking exactly. and, and that could then augment through APIs. I think what has to happen is we sort of create a digital identity of, of travel and that will enable us to streamline payments streamline what gets introduced as additional experiences, bring that data down to a DMO level so that the city is aware of what's going on so that they can learn, they can get better at how they market and reach. And so it's really going to take this sort of coordination of yeah. many tech providers, right? Even the COVID passport, right? Like there's no such thing as a COVID passport. People want a COVID passport. It's like, of course they want a COVID passport. They want to track where people are moving so they can build better, smarter systems, Right. And, and, and the reality is, I think technology was really helpful um, in the early days of COVID because there are technology providers that could just move faster than governments. Now, I don't think the technology providers or the governments necessarily got it right, but it was a step in, in a time which was very chaotic, right? So when, when I look at hospitality, take the last two decades, have we made night and day changes to the technology environment that a hotelier on a average basis uses? No, the answer is not. You know, there are nine out of 10 properties in the world still use a cloudless PMS. Nine out of 10 properties. Yeah. We're in 2022. I mean, that's insane to me. So, well, we are trying to make a difference, but that also means that some of those systems that are, are still cloudless, they won't exist over time. And, and that's going to mean a, a sort of rapid acceleration at some point in the future, or M&A is going to come into the play where people are going to buy other people and eventually those systems go away. Is that the right or wrong answer for the hotelier? I'm not sure. I think what's really critical is we ask the simple question, what does the guest want? Mm-hmm. How is the guest shifting and how do we solve for that? And as an industry, we can begin to sort of plot some of those major changes. Like to me, the check-in experience inside a hotel, it's flawed. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily broken for all properties. It just might need to adapt or streamline. I, I like efficiency. I'm happy to give information via my phone securely. I think payments inside hotels are totally broken. and We can do better. There is no upsell programs in most hoteliers. And most hoteliers' lives anywhere in the world, it's a lost opportunity. We can do better there. And just the way we communicate in general with the property, I, you know how many times I try to call a front desk of a hotel that I'm about to check into and get routed to some central reservation team that has little understanding of what's local? Yeah. That's, that's not the experience that I'm looking for. And so AI and some other things are going to get smarter and better and faster. And, and we, should, we, should, we should grab them and be like – celebrate them and, and hopefully that becomes a little bit momentous and we and we can build from there for sure well do you, do you like you and i we're travelers we travel we we're you know making business trips personal trips whatever it may be 
Uh, but do more people need to travel in order for this to really happen? Like, does there just need to be, does this need to be something everybody, like all these travelers currently, I, I bet you can pitch that, that Uber, the Delta to Uber to the hotel idea to almost any frequent traveler flyer. And they will be like, hell yes, sign me up today. Uh, let's sure. go. Um, but you know, if you take my parents, my mom hates flying. My mom hates it, but well, she will to see grandkids and do other things. But like, she's not the person that uses or travels enough to want or really say, I a hundred percent need this experience to, to happen, make it happen. Um, does that mean like for, I don't know, do you think the current travel, uh, amount that we have throughout the world uh, internationally, domestically is enough for the industry to really come together and make that kind of experience happen? 300 million people will travel for the first time in the next decade. Mm. I think that's enough. And they're all born after 79 and they're hitting their largest discretionary spend um, stage in their, in their lives. First time travelers, let's get that impression, first impression and let's do it right. Yeah. Because that's, that's representative of $500 billion worth of spend. And if every year that population just keeps getting bigger and bigger, this industry will go from a billion, a trillion and a half, the two trillion and so on and so on, just purely based on the fact that we have population growth around the world. We have middle-class growth around the world and people are moving away from buying cars and motorcycles and plasma screens and things like that. And they're going to experience. Mm. I believe that we don't have to do much to get someone hooked on travel. Travel is one of the greatest things that the world has, has invented. I mean, we've been traveling for over 5,000 years, the first, I think, recorded inexperience was like 310 AD or something like that, where they actually have the, like, the, hand, like the written ledger where someone checked in and paid for a hotel room. Wow. I mean, we've been doing this for a long, long time. I've had amazing experiences traveling. I've had scary experiences traveling. But guess what? I talk about both of them equally with excitement for because sure. I think it shapes you a little bit and immersing yourself into a culture and experiencing a different community, a different type of human being is part of the fun. And so like the transportation side, until we can teleport to a different part of the world like that, like Star Trek, man, transportation to, to anywhere is going to suck. I mean, like I, I, I fly way too much or I used to fly way too much. And I hate airlines. I'm like your mom. I'm not a good flyer. I just need to like sit there and kind of do my thing and just get off the plane as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. But once I'm there, I sort of settle in. I find my groove. I'm not afraid to adventure. I eat anything. But even airline has come a long way. The experience and the luxuries that are sort of afforded to us back in when we were growing up and on the little tiny seats with no entertainment, you're like, I wonder if there's a movie on the flight. Oh, wait, it's not four hours long. And therefore there's no entertainment. Like I remember those days. And now it's a screen with a thousand movies and your favorite Netflix show or, or whatever. So we've come a long way, but I, I do have hope that this 300 million people are going to be a driver of just a new wave of, of hospitality. And I think that's what I'm most excited about is maybe we don't get to the Delta, the Uber, the hotel experience, but we do get a new type of property or a new type of um, sort of, immersive type of lodging that is not just lodging it's lodging and it's lodging and and it's the and that i'm excited about because lodging is already evolving airbnb has already proved that 
you know, people are willing and comfortable staying in an apartment-like environment, even a room-like environment of someone else living there at the same time, Mm -hmm. right? They were really, you could rent a, remember you rent a bedroom inside someone else's house. Weird, but I've done it. So now I, I feel like we're ready. So it's that and, whatever that and is, I think there's so many great ideas and there's so many cool companies trying to promote and sort of tap around what that is. And as long as the consumer has the willingness and, and the pent up desire to go travel, I think there was a, a major study. I can't remember what consulting firm, one of the big four basically surveyed customers during the pandemics. Like if you gave up sex for a year, would you do it just to go travel or eat at a fine dining again? And it was like super majority would give up sex for an entire year just to go travel again or eat at fine dining an experience wow. that they couldn't be afforded during um, the pandemic lockdown. So like, that's kind of funny. It's a little silly, but yeah. maybe it's a hyperbolic uh, example of what's going on, but there is a pent up demand. People want to get out there and experience the world. I'm one of them. Sounds like you're, you're another. Yes. And, you know, based on all of our trend data and in our systems, it looks like it's going to be a really banner summer around the world for, for our hoteliers. Awesome. I love that. And, just because you kind of talked about the trans, the teleportation part, do you think metaverse is really good? Like, I don't think metaverse is going to end travel as we know it, but I, I'm curious to just randomly, like just a random question for you. Do you think it's going to impact us in any way or shape or form when it comes to the human interaction experience? You, you know, I, so I love ready player one. I love the book. I no, thought the yeah. movie was fun. You know, it wasn't perfect, but like the whole concept of metaverse, I really worry who controls the metaverse. So, so I would start there. It's like, it depends on who controls the metaverse, right? If it's Facebook, my God, I really hope that's not the case. I, I just, it scares me a little bit, but look, I, not everyone can travel, right? Some people like physically can't get out of a bed yeah. or can't walk, can't experience the, the great wall of China on their own two feet and preventing them from being able to, sort of look around and get that sense of what's happening in this sort of augmented scenario. Mm -hmm. I don't want to take that away from them, but does that mean I'm never going to go back to the Louvre and look at the Mona Lisa in a live environment? Absolutely not. I mean, I I could do that today virtually using Louvre technology that they've already put in place and go experience, you know, the, the Mona Lisa as if I'm standing six feet in front of it. And actually it was a better viewing experience because there wasn't 10,000 people in the same room, right? So you, you'll never taste the food. You won't feel the sand. You won't feel the heat, the sweat, the smells of India if you've never been. But like all of that will never be solved for in the metaverse, at least not for a long, long time. Maybe, maybe, not, in our, maybe not in our lives, but we'll get, we'll get close, right? We'll get close enough where you might be able to kind of go in there and haptically feel around and interact. And, and I think that's, that's cool. Like I, I, I bought an Oculus early on yeah. and I was sort of playing around with sort of that sort of augmented reality. And, and it's pretty cool in some ways. Like there's, you can evoke emotions. Like there's a rock climbing app in inside the Oculus where you're like, your palms get sweaty and you're like, I'm not going to fall, but you're like, feel like you're going to fall because of the interactivity of the hardware. Cool. So we can get close, but I do not believe it's ever going to take away from getting out there, learning, sitting next to someone random at a bar, talking to them, learning about their cultures. Yeah. That's something that only you experience live. 
cool i just wanted to make sure i was like you know you mentioned teleportation and then it was like oh man the metaverse and you got to think about the, all the things. that's just because i don't want to fly man I, I, if i could not fly 15 hours to go to australia i would i'd teleport in about two seconds amen to that well uh this has been such a fun episode and again there's been so much to unpack and just go into and it's been really great like to, to get into these concepts but um, one of my favorite questions to ask every guest on the show at the end is if you had one link to send any listener that is looking through the show notes to send them to where would you send them and uh we'll make sure to obviously put everything else in there too but where where was the number one that any lesser could just click and boom they'll be they'll be where you want to one link to any place on the internet anywhere any, any link you want you can you can pick it wow it could That's be com, or it could be you know <laughs> your linkedin profile or it could be wherever your your heart imagines oh my goodness um Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, you know, I, I, I would say if, if you're a hotelier and you're listening, which which I'm, I'm assuming the majority of you are, we are pouring a amazing amount of content into our thought leadership and our blog. We have over a dozen team members that are researching, writing just for you to learn. Um, and it's not through a biased lens of like buy cloud beds, buy cloud beds, buy cloud beds. It's really to try to move this industry forward. So like, just go to our blog, go check it out. It's, it's just ripe with, with information from whether you're a big property or small property, a vacation rental or not. We try to make it agnostic in all cases. Um, and then check out tomorrow. We've got some really, really cool things launching um with clubs especially in thought leadership some silly commercials and whatnot so so yeah send it go to our blog think, uh, it's a great learning piece i think i saw a sneak peek of a media production happening with uh, cloud beds in uh, another company so yes yeah there's there's some very very silly things that we've got planned starting tomorrow awesome well hey i'm super excited <laughs> to watch it and see it but I uh, just want to say again, thank you so much for being on the show and for bringing in a lot of really cool, different talking points that we don't really get to discover or listen to or talk about as much as I would like. So I, I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed the conversation. And uh, obviously, all the listeners, if you're listening right now, you need to check out the show notes, go check out the blog and like and subscribe to everything Cloud Beds. And uh, Adam will be talking again soon. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, possible. We hope you enjoy the show, and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content, or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.
What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing, and thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill-out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.